Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, Episode 37. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live that life of your dreams. This episode is going to be sponsored by the Entrepreneur Architect hybrid proposal. It's the owner architect agreement that I developed for my own residential architecture firm, Five Cat Studio. It's simple, it's straightforward, easy to understand, and very, very client friendly. It will help you land more projects. Over 100 architects have purchased the hybrid proposal video course so far. And in it, I personally walk you through my proposal package step by step, page by page, and included in the course is a complete set of document templates, which you may download, modify, and start using for your own projects immediately. So if you're interested in learning more about Entrepreneur Architect Hybrid Proposal, head on over to entrearchitect.com slash hybrid. So this week on the podcast, we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to do something a little bit different than uh, every other week. Earlier today, Actually, a few hours ago, I received an email from my good friend, Bob Borson, over at lifeofanarchitect.com. Bob sent me an email that said that he is putting together a blog post, which is going to come out 
um, tomorrow. I'm recording this the day before this is going to come out. This is The podcast is going to be released the same time as his blog post. And he's invited a bunch of us architect bloggers to contribute to his little project here. Uh, he often gets questions through his Life of an Architect blog uh, from readers that are interested about architects. You know, what architects do, how they work, um, how we think, our interests, um, the things we like, the things we don't like. And so Bob has put together a list of questions and uh, he's going to answer them himself and on his blog um, on uh, July 10th. And that's when this podcast will be released, July 10th, 2014, if you're listening to this in the future. Hello, future. Um, so he's invited me and he's invited a bunch of other people. If you heard my podcast last week, I talked about being at, uh, in Chicago and meeting with a bunch of people and, and, uh, having a bunch of fun. And I talked about a pizza party that we had and, um, many of the people that were around that table, including Bob, uh, were invited to do this little project as well. So Bob sent us a list of questions. Um, Marika McKeel, Enoch Sears, Jess Stafford, uh, Andrew Hawkins, Jeff Eccles, we're all going to answer these questions. And I've, I've um, decided that uh, rather than writing this in a blog post, which I think is was the intent, uh, I'm going to be a little rebel here and I'm going to do it through my podcast. Um, so my questions are going to be sort of an audio blog. I have not prepared answers for these questions. So I'm going to do this live and we'll see how this works. Um, this might be a complete failure, but I'm hoping that it works. So that's my plan. So um, let me read Bob's little introduction that he sent along with the questions. And, and this will sort of give you the, uh, the context of what we're doing here. It says, I get the same questions all the time. And if you're in a creative field and a visible member of that field, I'm quite sure you get these same questions. Uh, in an effort to fill the void, I have collected a new list of the most commonly asked questions and put them together in one place. I'm hoping to, uh, I am also going to reach out to a few other architects I know to get them to answer the same questions. And hopefully I can get a fair number to respond and I will link to all the participants at the bottom of this post. So that's what uh, is sort of a rough draft of his intro to his, his post. Um, and uh and so the bunch of us i think i think everybody will probably do it i'd be surprised if we don't unless uh unless we just don't have time um it's one of the reasons i'm doing the, the podcast because i have a podcast scheduled i had not yet recorded it and so i'm choosing to do this through through audio so i think this will be a lot of fun so without uh, delaying any further i'm going to get right into the questions here so the first question is what kind of projects were you doing when you first started as an architect? So um, when I first started as an architect, when I graduated, well, that's a, uh, it's an interesting question because I'm going to answer it two ways. I'm going to start by saying when I graduated uh, college, I went to Roger Williams University in Rhode Island. I graduated in 1993. And that same year, uh, that summer, I got a job and uh, it was a small firm in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Uh, Barry Postganser Architect was the name of the firm, uh, one of my early mentors. And um, he did 
uh, sort of a mix of architecture. So we did some residential work and we did some uh, school work and some healthcare work and uh, and some office uh, office buildings. And so it was a, it was a it was a great place to start off as a young architect because I got a very broad range of uh, experience both in architecture types as well as because it was a small firm and Barry was willing to share what he knew. I learned a lot about the business of architecture through Barry. He was pretty generous with the information that he provided me. I didn't get into any of the numbers, uh, but certainly, you know, the rules of business and many, many lessons uh, that I that I uh, carry with me today were, were taught to me uh, by Barry Postganser. So, uh, so what kind of projects were you doing when you first started as an architect? So I wasn't yet an architect, so um, that was an intern. And so that was the type of work we were doing when, when I first came out of architecture school. But to answer the question specifically, uh, when I first started as an architect, so uh, I was licensed in the early 2000s. And um, the uh, first, no, uh, 19... Yeah, 1999, 2000, somewhere around there. I don't remember when I was first licensed. I shouldn't probably know that, but I don't remember. It was around there sometime. I'm getting old, so it's hard to remember. Um, so we started Five Cat Studio in 1999. I got licensed soon after that because we actually started Five Cat Studio as Anne Maria McCarthy Architect. That's my wife and my partner, and uh, she's the boss. And she was licensed at the time, and we started off uh, the firm as Amory McCarthy Architect. And um, and then I got licensed and we switched the name to McCarthy LePage Architects PC and we created the brand Five Cat Studio. Uh, you can check out other blogs that I've written and podcast episodes. I talk about all about uh, starting as architect. So you can go to uh, entrearchitect.com and go to the search uh, bar and search um, how did you start or my first job. You can search for that and you'll find uh, the whole story about how I first started. Um, but the first type of work we did as Five Cat Studio, we were pretty much taking whatever we could. Um, our first job, uh, our first big job that really launched Five Cat Studio was a restaurant called uh, Meeting House Restaurant. And it was a small restaurant. Uh, it was a great project to start off with, a great client who turned into a friend. Um, we got the project through our uh, adopted dog, Albert, also known as Albertus Magnus, Prince of Broadlands. Um, we adopted Albert from the restaurant's owners, became friends with them, and they needed an architect and we needed a first job. And so we were there for one another and they gave us that job. We designed Meeting House Restaurant in Bedford, New York. It's still in business today. Uh, new, different owners. No, Penny, who owned the restaurant at, at the time, is no longer the owner of that restaurant. But uh, so we did the restaurant and that restaurant led to uh, another restaurant and a couple of um, spas. And so we did small and then we did some boutique retail work. And that's what we did to launch Five Cat. And we did some small residential work. But our passion, Anne-Marie and my passion, is residential and houses. And, well, residential is houses. So we have houses, single family houses. So residential could be more than that, but single family houses specifically. And so um, about four or five years into the firm, we made a conscious decision to specialize and create a target market of um, uh, 
residential additions and renovations, large projects, budget between three and five hundred thousand dollars, and that was the work that we really uh, what we're known for today, and what we love to do. And so that was the work that we 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 uh, when we when we had our choice of the work we did, that's the type of work we did. Um, we did not do a lot of new homes because we live and work in Westchester County, New York, uh, about 40 minutes north of New York City, and uh, it's pretty built up. And so there's not a lot of empty lots where there are new houses being built. There are a few, but um, and we've had a few new homes built, but that's not really what we, we specialize in. So that answers the first question, what kind of um, work did we do when we first started as an architect? It was a mix of small retail, uh, we call it boutique retail, because they were sort of um, small stores, you know, really special design. It was a lot of fun designing that kind of stuff. Um, and then we moved into residential work. So the second question, how many projects can you expect to be working on at once? Um, how many projects can we expect? So our current firm is Anne-Marie and myself, and we have one project manager who uh, is a works from a virtual studio, works from his own remote studio, and so he works with us uh, virtually. But he actually is local. He was, as he was a full time employee. Now he's an independent contractor working from his own space. But he's been with us for coming on ten years. We're, I think actually right around now is about ten years, nine or ten years, and um, he works with us. And then we work with a couple of other people. Uh, remotely who are not local to us that we work through Dropbox and um, and we do things online and uh, and that works out really well as, as well so that's the that's the size of our firm right now when we were a firm of six working from the big studio uh, in one big room which we were until this past November um, we were working on probably 15 projects at once and remember, our projects are not new homes. They're additions and renovations, and they range from you know, maybe a, a kitchen addition r renovation kind of project, maybe a $150,000 project, all the way up to maybe a whole house renovation that's um, close to or over a million dollars. And those are the type of projects that we, we have, have worked on in the last 10 years or so. And, um, and we worked probably about 10 to 15 projects when we were a firm of six. Today we are a firm of two with with um, a staff of one and uh, and then we're flexible on the other two that work part time as we need them. And uh, we can we still have we probably have about uh, I'd say at least six to eight active projects right now. Uh, again, I'm not prepared to answer these questions, so I, I didn't actually look at my my um, project list. But I would say we're probably six to eight projects right now that are active projects that I'm um, responsible for. And uh, so, uh, but again, I'm not I'm not working on all of the projects all of the time. Um, you know, in our firm. Um, well, actually, I'm going to answer the third question, and, and that'll lead into. Uh, what I was just about to say. The third question actually is how often did or do you work in a team? So that that I'm going to lead right from the last question right into this one because we, we always work as a team. 
uh, since we've, we've started, we've worked as a team. Um, my responsibility at Five Cat Studio, I'm the, uh, officially my title is uh, partner in charge of operations. And uh, as you know, if you were a listener to this podcast or a reader of the blog, um, I'm a business freak. And so that's what I love to do. I love to run the business of Five Cat Studio. And my lovely wife, Anne-Marie, uh, is an exceptional designer. And so we together make the perfect architect. I stay out of the design and she stays out of the business and we do a great job together. And uh, and and we support one another. So we re- I review her designs and she makes the final decision seeing that she's the boss. And, uh, and don't tell her I said that. Um, but uh, we do, we work as a team, the two of us. And then we also, John Whalen, who is our, uh, project manager is a vital part of our team because uh, once Anne-Marie designs it, then he works with Anne-Marie to create uh, the actual construction documents and then then does um, some of the construction administration. Uh, I do much of the, const- the construction administration. Every project we do does construction administration. I've uh, talked about that in the past as well. We won't take a project without construction administration. And so... Um, Every project we do, I am the marketing and sales guy, and so I get the project. And then I also am sort of the the face of the firm, so I work with the clients uh, throughout the project. So I'm the one that meets with them and presents the projects to them. Um, but Anne-Marie is the one who designs most of the, the, the design, and then John works with Anne-Marie to create the, the construction documents. And so that's how uh, we work. And then we if the projects are larger or if we're really busy like we are now, we bring on other people uh, on our team and work with them as well. And they fill in the gaps where we need them to be filled in. They do existing conditions and, and uh, construction documents kind of, kind of work when we need them to. And so um, in my opinion, I mean, you certainly could do architecture uh, solo and I'm sure many sole proprietors do just that. Um, I could not imagine that it would be very easy to do everything, uh, including the business, which I think is a critical part of being an architect. Uh, as a, if you're an owner of a firm, um, there is a you know a, a massive amount of work to do as a as a business owner, separate from being an architect. That is a requirement if you want to be successful. And so, to do everything, business and design and face work and construction, administration and construction documents, and do it all. Um, you certainly need to limit the number of projects you take. Uh, and so, so uh, it would be very difficult to work in architecture, in my opinion, uh, completely isolated and solo without a team. So uh, I think you need to work as a team. So th- the next question, how important is an innovative mind to the company? Um, I think that innovative minds are important. Um, I, uh, I suppose that you can do, you know, average architecture for average clients and run an average business and, and and not be very innovative. I think you certainly could do that and probably be relatively successful, maybe even very successful, um, doing that type of work and running a business like that without trying to push the limits. Um, I think to be extremely successful or to really have a, a lot of fun in what you do, because I think innovation is fun, 
um, that it's then it's very important. You know, I at Five Cat Studio, I, we constantly try to push the envelope of uh, the systems and the way we run our business and the way we market ourselves and the way we uh, use sales systems to to um, to get the you know to to actually uh, contract the work that we have. Um, I think from a business point of view, it's very important to be innovative and to be creative. And then from an architecture point of view, even if you're doing work like us, who, you know, we're doing mostly traditional additions and renovations for, you know, for young families. And um, even there, we try to have at least one really unique detail on our projects. Uh, something that could be photographed when it's all done that's really unique and interesting. And so we try to do that on every job, even jobs that have really limited budgets. We try to be creative and, and innovative in one small little spot. If we have the budget, we'd love to push the limits as much as we can. I think every architect loves to do that. Um, so how important is it, is an innovative mind in the company? I, I think um, it's important if if you want to push the limits of what you're doing. Uh, what key things do you look for in potential new hires? Okay, so um, we have an, uh, well, in our freelance work, we're certainly looking for independent workers because those people are working in their own studios, you know, many of them hundreds of thousands, or hundreds of miles away from us, not hundreds of thousands, that would be really, really far. Um, but hundreds of miles away. Um, and, uh, well, even thousands of miles away, but but not hundreds of thousands. Okay, let's get on with it. Um, but uh, when I was hiring in the studio, when I have face-to-face hires, um, some of the important, what do you look for in potential new hires? Independent workers, independent thinkers, um, I look for people who are nice. And I know that's a really trite word, but that's a really important word to me. Um, I don't like people who are not nice. I think life is too short to work with people who are angry or bitter. Um, so that's a really critical part for me, is someone who's really just a nice person. Um, I'm an extremely intuitive person. I can, I can meet somebody and know right away uh, whether this person is someone that, that I'm going to get along with and someone that, that I'm going to like. And even if they can put on a false front, I'm very good at sort of uh, knowing whether someone is uh, is honest or not. Um, and so also honesty is something that I look for in new hires. I think that depending on the job, you know, there's certain levels of experience that you're looking for. Um, I think you can teach a lot of, uh, of what you need to know. Um, what else would I be looking for in a potential new hire? Um, I don't know. I think that I think the honesty, integrity. Uh, we have a culture that we we try to create in in our studio, even virtually now that that we're we're all in separate studios. We still try to create a culture of. Um, of honesty and integrity and, um, and, uh, you know, family values where, you know, the family is important that, uh, that you take time off and you, and you, uh, 
uh, know that the that the people who depend on you are important and um, at times much more important than the work that you're doing. And so those are things that we look for. Uh, we look for people who have interests outside of architecture because um, it makes for more interesting people and, and truthfully more innovative people because they can pull from other places in their world to to create things within architecture. So that's, uh, that's what I look for in new hires. How important is diversity to your company? Well, um, at Five Cat Studio, we're 50% women-owned business here. Um, Anne-Marie is, is uh, you know, let's say 50% of the people who work full-time at Five Cat Studio are women. Do I, do I get credit for that? Um, diversity, I, you know, I, I think it's important to not discriminate. Uh, I personally am, am for um, a merit. I think that if you can do the job and you can do it well, that uh, despite the uh, gender or the color or the race uh, of the person who's doing it means nothing to me. What matters to me is that they can do the job and do it well and that they have those values that I talked about in the previous uh, question, that those people are the people that I'm looking for and it, and it, it, it matters not to me. Uh, what race they are or what gender they are. Um, I, I understand very, very well that uh, that diversity is an important subject in the profession of architecture. Um, and, uh, and I think that um, that we should do whatever we can to encourage um, people of, uh, of minority um, races and and women architect uh, architects to to come to the profession, uh, and I think also that it's important for us as small firm architects to find new ways that um, that the people who are who have a difficult time like like women who also want to be mothers, if we can find ways that they can do both, um, I believe that that there would be more diversity from a gender point of view, and in architecture. Um, and I think that's changing now because of the tools that we have and the, and the ideas of virtual studios. And it allows um, women to be uh, the mothers that they want to be and still return to architecture uh, or continue to work through architecture because of the tools that, you know, through, I'm sorry, um, work through, uh, you know, integrating their family and their firm and work, uh, work you know, through um, you know, motherhood to be able to do both. I think it's easier to do both now and it will only get easier. Um, so I think from a, from a, a, a gender point of view, uh, that's what I'm thinking. And then as far as, um, race and, and, uh, I, I, it, for me, I, I, I wish that that wasn't even an, an issue, and I understand that it's an issue, and it and it's something that's important. Um, and in my firm, it it matters not. It matters absolutely not who you are at, or what color you are. Uh, if you can do the job, and and you're a nice person, and you have the values that we're looking for, uh, it does not matter to me uh, where you're from, or uh, or what color your skin is.
that's a big question. Um, and like I said, I was not prepared for it. So I'm, I'm hoping I answered that well. Um, let me know on the, on the show notes whether I did answer that well or not. Um, and if I didn't, let me know why. Uh, and tell me what I need to know. Uh, because I'm open and I want to learn. And so if, if I'm wrong with what I'm saying, uh, I love uh, other points of view. And I'd love to have that conversation. So the next question. How big of a role does HR play in your company? Well, HR is human resources and I am it. Um, I do all of the hiring. Uh, Anne-Marie gets final approval on any decision, big decision like that that I make. Uh, but I do all of that kind of work. How big of a role? Not very big. We don't, we're, we're actually not growing intentionally. We want to stay small right now. And, uh, and we, uh, right now the full-time employees are Anne-Marie and myself. And so there's not a whole lot of role for, P, uh, for HR at all at Five Cat Studio. Uh, would you say architecture is a field for everyone? Well, everyone is a very big, broad uh, uh, quantity of people. Uh, I would say that architecture is not a field for everyone. Um, I think that architecture is is a difficult profession, as many of you know who are architects. It is not an easy profession. It is an awesome profession. We get to change people's lives and improve people's lives and, and create beautiful architecture, and we uh, are the are the, the stewards of our environment. We are the ones who decide what these buildings and these environments are going to look like. We are the ones that control that. And so um, it is an amazing profession to be in. Uh, I, I think it's a um, uh, very, very important profession. And the, um, but it's a very difficult profession. And, it, and, and the skills and the talents that you have as an architect are, are not easily um, obtained. When, we, when you start an architecture school, by the end of first year, typically about 50% of the freshman uh, architecture students drop out because they very quickly learn that architecture is not about drawing pretty pictures. It's about space and form and order. And as you advance further in the profession, you learn that architecture is about psychology and sociology and archaeology and there's a tremendous amount of information that we need to know we make thousands of decisions on every project we have tremendous responsibility for life safety and welfare of the public um, and the people using our buildings it's a tremendous responsibility at times incredibly stressful um, very difficult to um, to uh, be financially successful, although I'm working my brains out to change that for our profession. Um, that can be done, and we're doing it, and I'm teaching others to do it as well. Um, but architecture is not a field for everyone. It's a field for the people who really, and this is a, another sort of um, something that you hear in architecture all the time, but you need to have a passion for architecture. You, have, you need to have a passion for what you do. And I think you need to have a passion to do whatever you really have choo cho choose to do to be successful in it. You really need to have this desire to learn everything you can learn and to be everything you can be 
and to and to give back everything you can give back i think that takes a, a passion and it takes um an incredible amount of interest uh, to dedicate yourself to become good at what you do and and i think that that applies in every business but but as far as architecture it applies as well and so if you don't have a passion for architecture and it's just something that you think would be interesting um every time i tell people that I'm an architect. Oh, so what do you do? I'm an architect. Oh, I wanted to be an architect too. But I hear that at least two or three times a week. I wanted to be an architect too. Well, you didn't. You didn't become an architect because it's hard. Um, and you chose to do something else. And so I, I don't think it's a field for everyone. The next question. Um, what is the best asset in your company? The best asset in my company is easy. The best asset in my company is my wife, Anne-Marie McCarthy. Um, she's the best asset in my whole entire life. She, um, from a, from a, I'm not going to get into why she's awesome as a wife and a mother, but I'm going to get into the fact that she is a, an exceptional architect. She's a, she's a very talented designer and she's very, very smart. And, um, when we make big decisions, I go to her and I ask her her opinion and she usually is right, even when I don't want her to be. Um, she is the reason we are successful. Uh, we make a great partnership, but without her, I could never do what I do. Um, and I think without me, she couldn't really do what she does at the level that she does because she really uh, has the opportunity to be the architect that she wants to be without worrying about the business. Uh, she also gets to be mom when she needs to be mom and I get to be dad when I get to be dad. Um, but I would say that, uh, five cat studio without Anne Marie McCarthy is dead in the water. Um, so that's the best asset in our company. Um, describe your best employee in one word. Um, I'm going to answer that with the first thing that comes to mind is honest. There's lots of other words that I can go into just like I did in the, in the question above about our culture. But I think if you have an honest person who works hard and does what they need to do and they do what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it um, and you can trust them and you don't have to worry that you don't that you can't trust them, um, then you have a great employee. I think the best employee is, is, um, is honest. Um, what style of architecture do you love most? Okay. Well, that also is a very big question. Uh, the style of architecture that I love to design most would be a residential architecture that is, um, very modern, but has, uh, has sort of influence and memory from traditional architecture. So pitched roofs, natural materials, but, but detailed and designed in a very modern way. Uh, that's the type of architecture that I love to design most. It's the type of architecture that I would love to live in. Um, I think the type of architecture that I love to look at most would probably be Gothic. I love the cathedrals. I love to walk through those massive spaces, um, those, 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 those arches and the, 
and the buttresses and the, to, to see how they're built and 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 marvel over the um the way that they they lifted those massive stones to those heights uh and to create those beautiful shapes and those beautiful forms um that i think gothic architecture is the most beautiful architecture in the world um and so i would say that that from a from an aesthetic point of view from an architectural appreciation i would say gothic architecture uh, specifically the cathedrals would be my would be my my most love which ones do you love most that would be my most love um but but certainly modern residential would be my uh most love to design and to live in and so those are the questions that my friend bob borson sent me this afternoon i hope i answered them well i hope i uh, i didn't offend anybody i hope i uh, gave some valuable information and i hope i did what bob wanted me to do and uh I'm going to include the names and the links of the people who are also contributing to this little venture that we're having. And, uh, and I think it's going to, they used to call this a blog off in the old days of, of blogging. I don't think they call it a blog off anymore. And I, and I, this one I think will have some sort of common theme or common name that will all name these posts. And so, uh, you can go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 37 and that will link you to my blog and and uh, we'll have the links to all the people who are contributing to, uh, to Bob's um, uh, frequently asked questions challenge. That's what I'm going to call it. I think that's too long. I think we'll call it something else. Um, but once we figure out what we're going to call it, it'll be titled that. And... Uh, and you'll see it on Twitter, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Entree Architect. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Entree Architect. Um, you can go to LinkedIn and join the LinkedIn group, the Entrepreneur Architect LinkedIn group, which is 8,000, over 8,000 uh, members. It's a private group. You have to be um, accepted and approved you need to be an architect or a design professional to join that group over 8,000 of them uh, are members of that group so go join that it's at um, LinkedIn or it's no entrearchitect.com slash LinkedIn will give you a link over there and you could um, request to join that group and that's a really active group there's a lot of conversation going on over there whenever somebody has a question um, you can post it there's lots of great articles that people post um, there's a lot of activity on that on that LinkedIn group. Uh, so if you're an architect, that's a a uh, group that you should be joining. Uh, Entrepreneur architect over at LinkedIn. So that's uh, that's I'm going to wrap that up. We're coming up on um, 38, almost 40 minutes here, and uh, I've been talking too much. And uh, I appreciate Bob's invitation for doing this. I appreciate all those people who are contributing. Um, you're good friends and I appreciate your friendship and your support and, uh, and I'll see you on Twitter at Entree Architect see you later
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that, (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.